Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, a reminder of just how much of our dub humor can be traced back to kids in the hall. We'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like who is this week's cross-dressing queen and answers to important questions like where the hell did I leave my Indian drum? <laughs> I'm Kalina McCordoff in London, England. I'm joined by Stu Derricotic and Trevor Record in Vancouver, Canada. And further north, we have Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. hey. So we'll be reviewing episode five of season one, which aired on November 21st. 1989. So let's kick off with our sketch rundown. We've got Indian Drum, a ridiculous rhyming short where a dull-witted Mark McKinney bemoans the loss of his drum, stolen by frustrated Kevin McDonald. That's followed by the return of Mark McKinney's head crusher, who this time is taking aim at partiers trying to get into a club. And then we have date negotiators. Bruce McCullough and Mark are Gerald and Gerald, two lawyers trying to reach a compromise for two dating clients with differing opinions. We've then got some juvenile humor from a skit about family celebrates Bruce's character <laughs> for having his first bowel movement in four years, <laughs> only for it to be lost to the beloved dog. Uh, <laughs> we then no. have uh. Vacation, where Scott Thompson's naked body is described as a playground for families to enjoy a holiday, <laughs> including the pool at the bottom of his back and dark caverns of his nostrils. And the question we've all been asking, are extraterrestrials dull? Dave Foley leads a spoof about alien abductions, where we learn about the boring TV habits and preferences for alpaca wool blend cardigans. Bruce then has a daydream, Wondering what it would be like if Elvis were his landlord. And the episode is capped off with the head crusher taking a break from his hobby to gallantly help a puking flathead home. So let's kick it off with segment one. This made me feel weird. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about the Explore Scott vacation sketch. It was riding that line between just being silly. What ancient civilizations once inhabited his nose? And then making me have funny feelings about bathing in the sweat at the pool of his back. So team, did this sketch make you feel funny? And was it potentially a bit too sexy for a CBC sketch? <laughs> it might have been too sexy for me. I, I don't know if I actually thought it was that funny. I think I am the only voice that didn't think it was a little funny, though. I, I, I don't know. It kind of dragged on a little bit for me. What about you, Stu? <clears throat> Uh, it was really something. The skit is just <laughs> profoundly uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I can't put it any other way. Uh, I thought it was really refreshing to see a male body objectified on television without apology. You know, like, the joke is not, oh, gross, a male body. But it doesn't really coalesce into anything. The, the close-ups are so long and lingering and oiled. And the gag about travel doesn't make a lot of sense. And the soft lighting... Like, <laughs> If I had to describe this scene in a single word, it would be moist. Yes. It's just yes. overwhelmingly <laughs> uncomfortable. I will give Scott total props in this also for like keeping up a really good uh, soft late night commercial for sexy chat oh, line voice the entire yeah. time. Which is what makes it all the more jarring when he's describing like a playground for children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, this is this is where uh, our styles of humor do, like 
diverge, I guess, because I, I absolutely love this. And I'm surprised that the rest of you didn't. I, it, I had completely forgotten about this sketch up until when we started rewatching now. Uh, and it's like up in my favorites. It's probably in my what? top 10. Yeah, absolutely. Huh, I love I, I love that it totally pushes boundaries for that time. Like if you imagine this in 1989, just not like not just like, sh- first of all, showing uh, like uh, like a male body or and especially like a gay male body, but just reveling in it uh, and then <laughs> just absolutely destroying your expectations kind of constantly making you think that we're going to go somewhere really inappropriate and, and combining that with this like weird, like playground for kids kind of idea. Uh, and then showing you, you know, bits and pieces of flesh and making you wonder like, which way is the camera going here? Um, <laughs> before like, before pulling the football uh, at the last minute, like just everything about it is, is just delightful to me. Um, and uh I, I I think it's it's like Scott at his best. I I think you're right, Trevor. His like soft late night uh, <laughs> voice is is like perfectly delivered for this piece of absurdity. You so. you know what's something that's kind of heartwarming when I actually think about this sketch too in retrospect is like I bet you like because you know it's not like there were tens of millions of people watching this, but you know like a million or something mm. probably saw this episode. I bet you there's a pretty good number of young boys or men who had their sexual awakening watching that skit. I bet. I would be willing that's to actually, bet. Absolutely. That's where Scott Thomas gets his power from, actually, is he's just like, he is like the lead vampire for a group of See, and I guess what I, what I find funny, what I find funny about this is that it obviously made any potential homophobes flinch. Mm-hmm. Like, you definitely wouldn't get the same reaction if they tried to do the sketch with a woman's body. And it definitely would have gotten some sexist backlash. Kalina, you just made me love the sketch more because I love the idea of it being, like, of it being, like, the, the like, trial by fire that determines whether yes. you're allowed to watch kids in the hall or not. You know what I mean? Like, if you can yeah, get through like, this sketch... You must be you, this exactly, tolerant. Exactly, you must be this tolerant yes, to exactly. ride, for sure. You know... Talking about pushing boundaries, this leads into segment two, cross-dressing queens. We're lucky to have our own Mr. Hans Seidemann, who was crowned in his own local competition this month. Rounds of applause, everyone. Mr. Hans Seidemann. Thank you. Technically, it was Ms. Tsunami who was crowned a champion recently. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we didn't actually have much cross-dressing in this episode, but I mean, I thought this might be a good time not only given Ms. Tsunami's crowning, uh, to weigh in on which kid you think best pulls off female characters. So Hans, start us off, obviously by telling us a bit about your show, and then we can get back on topic. Sure. I mean, put me on the spot, why don't you? But yes, it is true. I did win a drag queen pageant in my very small town. Uh, she was fierce, uh, Ms. Tsunami. She was fierce and gorgeous, and her performance of Beyonce's single ladies routine bought the house down. So uh, very, very pleased with how that went. Um, as far yeah. as which kid pulls off the best ladies, I think I have to give it to Scott, um, which shouldn't really be surprising considering kind of drag's connection to gay culture. I mean, or not even connection. I mean, it, it like is, is, it is gay culture in some ways. Um, but uh, I'm like Scott, I'm sure has seen some very real queens that he was able to draw from. And, and the thing I love about Scott's women is the little tiny things that he does stand out for me. So like the way he'll hold his hand to his cheek when he's like uh, playing the mother and, and getting upset about something or the way he'll like slap at Bruce when he's upset or teasing him. 
I, basically, when I think of Scott as a woman, I'm always thinking of him, of him as the mother in the Scott Bruce Dave household. <laughs> yes. Um, the salty ham, the salty ham Scott the salty is ham. my favorite woman by far. Um, yeah. And and I think he just he nails that like matronly uh, kind of woman, um, and and I, I love him for that. I also think that Bruce's Kathy character is also a very hilarious character, so I will give him props for that. <laughs> but like, I think actually for me, Dave Foley is the most convincing female character because um, I think He's on a very one pretty end, pretty lady, I would yeah, say. On on one end of the spectrum, you have Bruce and Scott who are like doing a very performative version of a, of a female character, and uh, you know, I would say like on the other end of the spectrum, like Kevin and and Mark are almost doing like a burlesque kind of thing of what a woman is like, where you can always see they haven't even really shaved when <laughs> <Yeah>. they kind <laughs> of <laughs> like, there's always a five o'clock shadow on Kevin's female characters. <laughs> like, David is sort of like that. The, the Kevin ones are hilarious. David is sort of that type of androgynous that convinces me that like gender really is a construct, you know, that is high praise. Wow. I'm going to mix it up. I like what everyone said, and I think they're all they're all real on board, but I'm going to go with Mark just for a little bit of discussion. Like, I think one of the things that's great about Kids in the Hall is they all have their own take on a female character, but they don't usually slip into super broad stereotypes for a laugh. Like, they tend to play it pretty close to reality and make the jokes more about the situation the characters get in rather than the characters themselves. Uh, but having said that, I really like Mark's mm. believably earnest female characters, like, the characters he plays are a little bit less realistic than, say, Scott with the mannerisms or uh, Bruce with the kind of, like, convincing frump. <laughs> but to me, Mark feel, plays a kind of woman who is, like, a woman who is kind of anxious about being a woman, so has to put on almost a persona yeah. that is not entirely comfortable. <laughs> and that level of, like, meta-layering really works for me. Like, the smile maker's agent is where she's just, like, a lot of nervous energy up front. <laughs> It just kind of really works for me. Or the uh, the ballet school headmistress, I thought, was also really funny in that kind of, like, very powerful but kind of deranged <laughs> role. You know, you know, dude, like, the reason I actually brought this up was by how convincing Mark was as a family matriarch in that stupid grandpa's piece <laughs> sketch. <laughs> and I think you hit it, the nail on the head there because it's, it's just that earnestness that really pulls it off. Um, but I, you know, I think my vote actually wavers depending on what age of women they're playing. Mm. So I think, like you said, Trevor, Dave Foley, that sort of androgynous look he can pull off definitely comes for more like younger women. While Scott Thompson really does like, the, yeah, the older matronly like wife figure. Let us all remember how well he does in Salty <laughs> Ham. He's just so good at being <laughs> exasperated. He's the most patient woman I've ever met. <laughs> Uh, I think one of the reasons we love Dave Foley as a woman role is because he plays a young, bitchy, hot woman. We're like, your lack of commitment to the scene really works here, Dave. <laughs> you did it. Oh, come on. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now becoming like the Dave defender uh, over here. The Dave White Knight. We all love Dave. I do. They do an episode where he does drag in news radio later on, which I can't help but imagine is sort of like a callback to his previous mm. work in Kids in the Hall. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to segment three where kids say the fucking darndest things, um, and which is quickly becoming actually my favorite segment <laughs> where we find a breakout quote from the episode that really gave us a right chuckle. <laughs> so hands down for me, it was Arch Rex, Ar the extraterrestrials Dell sketch where Dave Foley explains that it's likely that aliens 
first visited the earth at the very beginning of human history and mated with our ancient ancestors, he asks, how else can we explain people who say things like, I don't need drugs to have a good time? How else can we explain new age music? <laughs> Could humans really have invented golf without alien intervention? I love that. Brilliant. And uh, I also think that's, that's one of those things that shows like the, the kind of weird darkness under the surface again. It's because, you know, there's such clean cut kids and a lot of the jokes are pretty like Canadian. But keep in mind, hookers, they need drugs to have a good time. Like they... These, it's so funny that these guys come across, you know, the kids in the hall. They're not the men in the hall. Like, they're so silly and harmless, but, yeah. like, they 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 got a little something going on. We don't know what they do in their downtime, actually, and I love that about them. <laughs> it's the mysterious mix. What about you, Stu? Oh, yeah, like, speaking of darkness, date negotiators is so dark. Yes, it is. In terms of the darkness, I was almost, like, really considering whether we would do a Does This Hold Up segment on this. Absolutely. It's funny. As I was watching the the sketch, so that uh, date negotiators, I was loving every second of it. Uh, right up until they changed negotiating tactics to like, okay, well, we won't guarantee sex, but we'll just like we'll guarantee that she'll drink enough that you'll be able. And I was like, whoa, mm. that took like a turn, um, and uh, it went from being like like just me along for the ride and loving the sketch to being like, wow, there is like. This uh, this maybe doesn't hold up so well. My, my that that does have a lot of good lines though. Like my favorite also came from that where it was Bruce just being like, "I do not mean a quick hump, Gerald. Do not <laughs> use that expression in my office. Children come in here." Amazing. <laughs> I think it is the businessman trope again. Like uh, yeah. of just being like, "Yeah, they're just completely divorced from humanity." Mm-hmm. Lawyers, am I right? Oh, well, I'm like really surprised that all of you spoke about like standout. Uh, quotes from that one sketch because I now want to get to the standout sketch. Um, so I'd like quickly from each of you a rating out of five and some justification for which was a standout sketch this episode. Start us off, Stu. Indian drum. Really? <laughs> Everyone else hated it. I loved no, it. it ta- I like Indian drum too. It taught me a lesson about beat poetry and also the universe. <laughs> Four hacky sacks out of five. <laughs> I I can't explain why, but I, I as a kid remember really liking If Elvis Was My Landlord. Um, I don't know if I like it now. I just, it's stuck in my brain, right? Like I still think about it sometimes. Not like all the time. So I, I give that one, uh, you know, like a good three out of five stars, but it's got some nostalgia. Also, we, we get head crusher again here but it's not as good the second time like it doesn't oh it's it's about to be crushed into our heads it's about to <laughs> they're gonna crush that sketch um so i mean i've already alluded to this earlier in the episode here but my favorite for the for the episode and like in life is the vacation sketch uh, <laughs> uh i'm still surprised that the rest of you guys aren't losing your mind over it um the way i am but it's just absurd and boundary pushing and playing with the audience's expectations and scott's delivery and his physicality are, are just hilarious. So I put it up there with the all-time greats. I am giving it a four and a half kids out of a wow. hall. Wow. Wow. So I mean, I, we're all pretty split on this episode. Does that just mean mm. that it was that good and had something for everyone? Or was it just middle of the road and none of us can agree? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, my vote actually goes to our extraterrestrials doll. I think this is where Dave Foley shines as a flop host slash narrator on a really bizarre topic. And I love thinking that aliens are just super boring and visiting Earth to buy collectible spoons. 
Um, and you live in England. This makes sense <laughs> yeah. to me. And that their biggest complaint is that why don't you just have a spoon that just says Earth and not Montana? Um, so I. It would make life so much easier. I know. Earth. I know, right? So I, I'm gonna. I'm not quite close enough to give this a four out of five. So I'm gonna really quibble and give it three point eight. Three point eight on an empty stomach. Uh, without heels. <laughs> That's it for our episode five review. Join us next week for episode six, which will be hosted by our very own Trevor Record. Thanks for listening to Kith and Tell. Bye. 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 Bye.